this morning's worship experience. Thank you, O oh God, that you are a God we can feel some of the time. Thank you for your indwelling power. Thank you for the forgiveness of our sins, the shedding of your blood that covers our faults, past, present, and future. Thank you now for this morning again where we can worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Lord, for the joy of our salvation. Now, breathe on us, Father, for his preaching time. And we need your power to proclaim your word. And if you'll stand in us and then open the eyes and ears of your children, the Lord will be spoken to. But we need you now. Fill us afresh is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said amen. amen. While you're standing, just a few minutes, few, few seconds here, John chapter 20. John chapter 20, if you'll open your Bibles or boot up your iPhones there, iPads. John chapter 20, the gospel according to John, beginning at verse 1. I want to thank all of you for being here at the New Beginnings Church this morning. We are an expository teaching and preaching church, and that means we believe in, in preaching through the entire book of the Bible, books and chapters at a time. Family? So if you are not a member of a local church here in the Fresno area, there's over 500 of them, but I would invite you to be a member of this local church so you can come and grow with us. Amen? John chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. How about that choir today? Yeah. Amen. And those musicians, thank you guys for your faithfulness and your stewardship. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and she came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And she said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. And we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter. And he came to the tomb first. And stooping down and looking in, he saw the linen clothes lying there. Yet, he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came, following after him, he went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there. And he saw the handkerchief that had been wrapped around his head that was not lying with the linen cloth, but rather it was folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first, he went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to 
their own homes. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Turn to that person standing next to you for the last time. Tell them, neighbor. neighbor. Oh, neighbor. Oh, neighbor. My, pastor My pastor wants to preach to you about, to preach to you about. What, happened what happened when the disciples, when the disciples came, looking came looking for Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Family, when it comes to the miraculous work of God, we all still live in a world of skeptics. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I mean that our culture is saturated with unbelief and people who make a living off of contradicting the truth. People make a living off of twisting reality so that those things that are or should believe are looked at as lies. I was watching my favorite show, CNN, and I watched them do a documentary on the resurrection of Jesus. And they started off doing pretty good. And then they started telling lies. They tried to disprove the fact that Jesus is alive again. They showed what other holy books said, what other holy prophets said. And Jesus of Nazareth couldn't really be who he said he was because there was no evidence to prove that he really existed. Well, I stopped by to tell you today I want to preach about the evidence this morning. I want to talk about evidence for the resurrection. The skeptics say that the tomb was empty because the disciples stole the body. The skeptics say that the tomb was empty because he never really died. He was just unconscious for a little while. The skeptics say that if he rose again, how come nobody but the disciples saw him? Well, I got a word for the skeptics today. There's evidence that the record proves Jesus is alive. So I want to examine a case today from the divine word of God in an exegetical manner, looking at the story of John's gospel that's seen by the church for over 2,000 years. Can I say some more? The resurrection of Christ has been celebrated and proclaimed, family, in 10 major areas of the New Testament. Can I call roll this morning? Matthew said he died. Mark said he died. Luke said he died, and John said he died. Paul said it way over in 1 Corinthians that he died. And not only did they all agree that he died, but they all agreed that he got up again. Can I tell you more? He appeared to Mary Magdalene at the grave in John chapter 20. He appeared to certain women, Mary, Salome, Joanna, and others at the sepulcher in Matthew 28. He appeared to Simon Peter on the day of resurrection in Luke chapter 24. He appeared to the two disciples on the Emmaus Road on the day of resurrection in Luke 24. He appeared to the ten disciples and with others on an evening in Jerusalem in John chapter 20. He appeared to the disciples again at Jerusalem in Luke 24. He appeared to the disciples when they was fishing at the Sea of Galilee. He, this is after the resurrection. Tell somebody, they seen him after. 
he appeared to the 11 on that hillside in Galilee. Well, there was over 500 witnesses that saw him rise again from the dead. Can I say some more? He appeared to James in 1 Corinthians 15 at an unknown location. He appeared to the apostles before ascension where they watched him catch a cloud and go back to glory. I'm arguing for the evidence this morning. So after preaching about the evidence today, it's my prayer that you too will gain faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you why? Christianity is the only religion that has a risen Savior. It's the only faith that has evidence that our God lives. It was after the crucifixion. Friday was a bloody mess. They stretched him high and they dropped him low. They put a crown of thorns on his head, stuck a spear in his side. And like they used to say in the old church, he bowed his head in the locks of his shoulders and he died. Then they would ask the question, Brown, didn't he die? They would say, he died. To the earth rocked him riddle like a drunken man. He died. To the S. U-N or S-O-N or S-U-N, right? Refused to shine against the S-U. Y'all y'all know what I'm talking about. The real son outshone the earth's son. Didn't he die? He died and the earth went into confusion. He died. Heaven went into mourning. And somebody said, but hell got happy. But that's not how the story ends. They took the body down and placed him in a borrowed tomb. And early, I said early, Sunday morning, God the Father raised him back to life. That's the resurrection. Y'all gonna help me argue for the resurrection today? Well, I got three points I want to talk about in this text and I'll get out of your way. Number one, I want to talk about the disciples' sorrow. Number two, I want to talk about the disciples' search. And then number three, we'll close. We're looking at the disciple sign. Keep your iPhones booted up or whatever you're working with. Look with me at verse number one in chapter 20 of St. John. The text says in the first two verses, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, she went to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to tell Simon Peter and to that other disciple whom Jesus loved. And she said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Notice this family that in our text today, it opens up showing the sorrow of our sisters over the missing body of our Lord Jesus Christ. In this text today, sorrow has gripped the church and chaos is now running wild in their mind. And then as any good church leader would do, once they hear of some disturbing news, they're gonna come and find out if the rumor is true. When they run to tell Peter, Peter and John leave the house where they're at, and they come running to the tomb. 
Peter is huffing and puffing so much so that the text says John outran him. But Peter got there when he got there. Am I making sense here? When he arrives, he finds himself, here it is, looking for Jesus one more time. Can I tell you there's no news like bad news? Bad news in a season of doubt can rock your world. That's what happened to Peter in this text. They were still depressed and, and going through what they were going through because they saw him crucified. And now they come and get more bad news on top of bad news. Not only is he dead, but now the body is gone. And when they come, they are devastated at this, this more troubling bad news. Have you ever been there? Where things was already going bad? And then bad news messengers brought you some more bad news? Ain't bad news terrible? See, Jesus had already been killed, but now they think that worse things than death has happened. Who was still the body of the Messiah? So sorrow had gripped the church. Sorrow had the church now in a headlock. Sorrow had them in the place of despair. And can I tell you that if you ever lived on Despair Avenue, that's a horrible place to reside. A friend of mine who I love dearly lost a son beloved. And I'm watching what sorrow is doing to his soul. Sorrow is like a knife just piercing him constantly over and over and over again. And it looks like no hope for the man of God. Well, I'm so glad that today is Resurrection Sunday. There's hope in the text. The text says that they were in sorrow, right? But stay with me with point number two, the disciples search. The Bible says that then Peter, when he came, following him, he went into the tomb. Did you see that right there? And when he went in, he saw the linen cloths lying there. Verse number seven. And then he saw the handkerchief that had been around his head. It wasn't lying with the linen cloths, but it was folded together and placed in a, in a place by itself. Let me unpack this right here. First thing I observe in this text, and I hope it jumps out to you, is that Peter, all of his life, the majority of his life following Jesus, has made a career out of, out of yes, looking for Jesus. Can I say some more? First time he came looking for Jesus, John the Baptist had proclaimed him to be the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And Andrew, his little brother, came to tell him, come see the man. Could this be the Messiah? Peter started looking for Jesus. Can I give you some more? Once he was out on the bank fishing, and he was trying to catch a boatload of fish, Jesus told him to throw your net on the other side. Caught a full catch of fish. Peter then jumped out of the boat, come running looking for Jesus. Third time he went looking for Jesus, his mother-in-law had been sick and was on her deathbed. Came and got Jesus, and Jesus went into the house and healed his mother-in-law. He was looking for Jesus. Fourth time he came looking for Jesus, he was out in trouble on the boat. 
a storm had come in and was threatening his life. He saw Jesus out on the water and said, is that you? Jesus said, come on. Peter went walking, looking for Jesus. Are y'all in here right now? The fifth time he came looking for Jesus was a few days ago at his trial. When the evil rulers were whooping him in court, Peter was the only one who went to see what he could see in the trial. He was looking for Jesus. Peter was close to being by his side. But in that time, the heat of the battle, he denied Jesus. Even after looking for him. And I just believe in my own mind that Peter thought his days of looking for Jesus was gone after Calvary. I believe he thought that was it. No more looking for my Savior. And then here comes Mary. Running to the house. With some more bad news that the body of the Lord has been taken. Let me pause right here and give you some application. Somebody here today, Reverend Tay, needs to be encouraged this morning. Because son, maybe they have failed the Lord. Or perhaps they've lost communication with him. Somebody here today, you can take your cues from Peter this morning. Don't stop looking for Jesus. Somebody here today is discouraged, and maybe life has got you down. But take your cues from Peter this morning. Keep looking for the Savior. See, maybe you need a miracle this Easter Sunday morning. Well, if you just keep looking, you're bound to get some evidence that God is still alive. Can I say some more right here? The text that then Peter came, said Peter came and went into the tomb. We saw. You see that right there? He saw the linen cloth lying there. Somebody yell out evidence. And he saw the handkerchief that was wrapped around his head lying there. When Peter arrives at the tomb, he's not expecting to see evidence of a risen Savior. Am I talking here? Peter is just searching for a body. But instead, what he gets when he gets to the tomb is a miracle. He gets to see nothing he, something he was not even expecting. He's on a mission to find a dead savior. But he comes to the tomb, yes. And instead of finding a dead savior, he finds a living God. Who am I talking to today? Somebody said the church ain't doing nothing. Somebody said the church been dead a long time ago. I would go to church, but all them people in there, you know, they all hypocrites. Somebody said the church ain't up to nothing. Well, I stopped by to tell you, you in the right church today. I don't know about them other places you've been to, but he's alive in here. Can I tell you why? I brought him with me. He lives in me. And because he lives, I'm alive. I once was dead, sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. And from the waters, he lifted me. And now safe and I, because he lives. I can face tomorrow. 
Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, I know my future. He lives in me. High five somebody and tell them I'm alive today. I'm alive. I love this text. Can I say some more? Because he lives, this discovery is critical. It's critical because Peter discovers the lying cloth from the body of Jesus. He discovers that the handkerchief that wrapped his head, watch this now, wasn't torn off, but it was neatly folded. It's the picture of somebody who took their time. Am I in here right now? And it was placed in a different location. Let me argue that piece. He was the first one to see a miracle. Watch this now. Because he was willing to go a little farther and a little deeper. Can I say some more? John got to the tomb and stopped. But King Peter kept running. And because he pressed in a little deeper... He got to see what John couldn't see. Sometimes, in order to get the miracle you're waiting on, you got to go a little deeper with God. Quit standing on the shallow end trying to find out the mysteries of God. In order to get the mysteries of God, you got to go further in and deeper down. Can I say some more? story is told about the little girl in Texas who was playing in her backyard and she fell into an abandoned well. Y'all remember that story? And the baby, yes, when falling into the well, looked like nobody was going to be able to reach her. They put together a very strategic team and the team got almost down to the place where the girl was. And the man who went down to rescue her almost could reach him and he, when he couldn't get to her they pulled him back up to the surface some couple hundred feet they said what's wrong we thought you had her he said i had my hand on her but i i didn't go further down and deeper in if i gotta reach her i got to go further down and deeper in not only that, but when they let him down this time, they let him further down and deeper into where she was. Can I say some more? But in order for her miracle to happen, he had to break her arm in the rescue. Y'all hear me now? If she's going to be saved, it's going to cost her some pain. But the pain is only going to come because somebody went further down and deeper. What Jesus had to do to save you and I was go further down and and in order for Peter to see the miracle, he got to go and some of you want to see God, but you want to see him from the shallow end. Somebody waiting on a miracle, but you're afraid to go. God waiting to reveal himself to you. But sometimes you got to go where no man has ever been. In order to get some evidence, 
Peter had to go, yeah, where his brother wasn't willing to go. In order for Peter to get some evidence, he had to take a risk and move in faith to check things out. Crawford, I want to challenge somebody this morning, Deke, to go ahead and go where no man else has ever gone in your family before. I want to challenge you this morning to search for the evidence that God is at work in the dark areas of your life. I want to challenge you this morning to move beyond your comfort zone for Jesus. Take a risk and investigate if it really is him calling you in for a closer encounter. Can I tell you, Peter wasn't afraid to go all the way for the master. He had a desire to see him. And that's why, Sister Nichols, he couldn't stop on the outside of the tomb. Come on in here. I just said something right there. He, he was serious about looking for Jesus and standing outside the stone rolled away wasn't enough. He went inside where others didn't go. And when he went inside, he got exposed to what others didn't know. Mary got there, saw the tomb rolled away with Salome and the other sisters. None of them went in. John and Peter had a foot race. And Peter, because he was like me, fat and out of shape, he got there last. Can I tell you? But can I tell you, it ain't what you do when you get there. Are you with me here? I think I said that wrong. It ain't who get there first. It's what you do when you. It ain't how long you've been in Christ. It's what you do when you get in Christ. Somebody been with him a long time. But you ain't did nothing with it. It's not what you do when you meet him. It's what you do when you go in. Are you with me here? What am I talking to today? Somebody, you need to be shaken today. Your Christianity has become too comfortable. Somebody looking at me today, you too casual with the cross. See, the cross don't even move you no more. You ain't even moved by Resurrection Sunday. Come on, talk to me. Peter, when he gets there, he runs inside because his faith was challenged and stretched to see more of the Lord. Can I tell you, I don't think I could ever become a spectator and worship. Can I tell you why? He's done too much for me. And every time I come into the house of the Lord, I'm trying to encounter a little more of him. So I can't wait on nobody else to go further in and deeper down. I got to go for myself. My worship is for real. When I ever get the chance to lift his name. I'm trying to go further in and deeper down. Can I say some more? When Peter went in there, the bandages, yeah, that held the master were taken off. Can I say some more? Now, this only meant one thing, family, that he was up and out the grave. Okay, somebody missed it. Back then, they would, they would, they would embalm the bodies and roll them like mummies. So it would have been impossible for Jesus to take off his own bandages. That's why I like what the Bible says that they found the head napkin 
neatly folded up and tucked away somewhere else. Evidence. Which means his body must have resurrected. Come on in here. Through the bandages that mummified him. But he took his time wrapping up the napkin and placing it here because Peter needs a little evidence that I'm alive. Are y'all in here? I don't believe that he, he could have just came through the bandages of his head, but he wanted to give Peter a little something that would encourage him for the journey. Y'all come on in here and talk to me. Every now and then, God does a miracle that's just for you. You need a little something, something to carry you through the trials and tribulations of life. And so he invites you to go farther in and deeper down to show you a miracle that's got your name on it. And why does it have your name on it? God's trying to draw you into a more deeper, intimate relationship with him. If you love the Lord, high five somebody and tell them, help me praise him today. I'm trying to contain myself today. Excuse me, New Beginnings. We got guests this morning. Huh? A friend in my library whispered in my ear. He says, Wilson, tell him this. Grave robbers, if, if he had been robbed by a grave robber, the body was taken, they wouldn't have carefully unwrapped the corpse. They, they, they wouldn't have left the grave clothes neatly behind. They would have took the body and the grave coat. When y'all know a thief to leave something behind? Are y'all in here now? They're going to say that in fact, the fact that they embalmed the body and had spices on it, the spices would, the spices would have seeped into the wrappings of the corpse. So it would have been impossible to not tear the wrappings. Are you with me here? Because of what the spices would have done to them. So the cloth lay placed in the shape of his body. Are you with me here? Giving you the indication that he rose back to life. Can I say some more? Jesus passed through those wrappings. This is evidence, my friend. Evidence that the king of glory, he lives today. This is evidence, family. And nobody moved the body. Nobody stole the body. Nobody relocated the body. But rather that the body came back to life. Isn't that good news? I got a faith I ain't got to be ashamed of. I'm going to give you my last point, the disciple sign to get out of the way. I had a presentation at the university this week. We had a, a session, Dr. Bruce, you'll appreciate this, talking about the difference between Islam and ISIS. So we had some Muslim scholars on campus, and they were sharing and talking about ISIS makes up like 2% of Islam out of a billion Islam worshipers. And they were going on talking about radicalization and how, they used an example, they said that like Christianity in America and the Ku Klux Klan. The Ku Klux Klan call themselves Christian. But no Christian behaves like that. And they were saying that that's like ISIS. And ISIS 
is not carrying out the major five pillars of Islam. Well, listen, I said, okay. He said, in fact, Islam is a lot like Christianity. And I sat up. He said, we believe in one God. I said, yeah. We believe in serving humanity. We believe that Jesus was a great prophet. They said, but we don't believe he died. We don't believe in a trinity. And we don't believe that Jesus can save you from your sins. We believe that on that day, Allah is going to judge us, and then we will know if we make it in or not. And then it was my turn to talk. Can I say some more? I said, I want to thank my brother for being here today and clarifying what he believed. But Islam and Christianity are not the same. We believe in one God who manifests himself in three persons. We believe in one God who came to take away the sin of the world because man couldn't free himself from sin. We don't believe in waiting to that day to see if we made it in. We trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ who died, shed his blood, was buried in a borrowed tomb, and this week is the resurrection. We're going to celebrate that he got up again. And then I said, the problem with Islam is this. They don't have a hope. Christianity has a hope. We serve a living God who's alive and well. Come on, talk to me. My God ain't dead, so I don't have to kill nobody to work my way into glory. Jesus paid it all. All to him all. Some nice people. They nice people. But they're trying to work their way into heaven. Just like, just like the Jehovah's Witness. Just like the Mormons. Just like the Buddhists. Nice people. But they have a works-based theology. Which means they believe they got to prove something to God. In order for God to let them into his paradise. Well, I stopped by to tell somebody who's tired of working today. Come on to the side of Christianity. Well, Jesus has finished the work for you. Out on the cross. Can I say some more? It is finished. It's finished. You ain't got to do nothing else. The white cloth symbolizes he's risen again. That's why I'm a Christian. Because I can't be good enough. That's why I'm a Christian. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Am I talking to you right here? We've talked about today the disciples' sorrow. We've talked about today the disciples' search. Let me close the text and talk about the disciples' sign. Y'all going to help me close it out? In verse number 8, the Bible says that then the other disciple who came to the tomb first, he went in also. Somebody say also. And he saw, watch this now, and believed. For as of yet, 
They did not know the scripture that Jesus must rise again from the dead. And then the disciples went away again to their homes. Let me close it out when I tell you this. When we come to this portion of the text, Reverend Mason, John, the other disciple who was with Peter, he too received a sign. A sign that would help him to believe in the resurrection. What do you mean, Pastor? Though John outran Peter, when he got the news, he didn't do what Peter did. He got there first, but he stayed outside. He outran his fellow disciple, and as I mentioned earlier, just because you get there first doesn't mean you've arrived. You'll catch that on the way home. He got there, but he didn't do nothing with his search. Somebody just asking questions just to be questioning. Somebody just showed up to see what you can see. Somebody just showed up without wanting to investigate the empty tomb. I, I think he was curious, but he really didn't want to know. I think he was hoping for some good news, BJ, but he lacked the desire to go further in and deeper down. But now after he saw Peter go in, he decided that he should follow his brother in his own discovery, and to see Jesus for himself. Ah, uh, here's all I'm trying to say, brothers and sisters. John got a sign when he looked for Jesus for himself. Come on in here. John got a sign when he went further in and deeper down. John got a sign when he decided to pursue the truth on his own. You do know Jesus is the truth, don't you? John got a sign when he stepped out in faith, Brother Crawford, to see if God was really God. John got a sign when he too, Reverend White, went where no other man had been before. He got a sign, watch this now, when he remembered the word. He got a sign before he knew the word. He got a sign before he understood the word. Can I unpack this for you? Reverend Alex, this is powerful to me. It arrested me. The text says in verse 9, uh, for as yet they did not know the scripture. Somebody holler out, they was ignorant. That that's not a bad word. It just means you don't know. That they didn't know the scripture. What, what, what didn't they know, Wilson? They didn't know that he must rise again from the dead. Can I turn the light on? This blessed me today. The, the, the sign came before the text. Come on, thinkers. Come on, thinkers. Come go with me. The miracle came before the word. Okay, all right. I got some, I got some Bible for my theology. He saw the miracle, then he got the word. Alright, good to see you, man. He was introduced to the resurrection. Then he heard about the resurrection. Alright, let me read it again. They did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Can I tell you that God still uses signs and wonders to open the eyes of those who don't believe? Some people still have to see 
before they believe. Am I talking to you today? Some people can hear and believe, but most of us got to see it for ourselves before we believe. Some people have to experience it and then get it. I can't tell you how good black eyed peas and cornbread is from description. You got to sit with me at the table, crush up Sister Wilson's cornbread, sprinkle it on the black eyed peas, and taste and see that the Lord is good. Some things you got to experience for yourself. Can I say some more? Some people like John got to be shocked into believing. Some people have to be cold cocked for the data to get real in their skull. I got some people in here been cold cocked by the Lord. I like this because God knows what it takes to make everyone believe, Sister Lorna. He knew John wouldn't go in the tomb first, so he sent Peter. And he knew Peter was out of shape, so he let John get there first. But when they both got there, he had something for them to see. Something to give evidence of his resurrection. Can I say some more? It's not what you know about Jesus, but it's what you do once you know. The text says, and I'm through. This really got me right here. This really got me. The text says that then the disciples, they went away again to their own homes. Now, don't read that too fast because something happened. They saw the miracle, but they did nothing with it. Y'all in here? First thing I see, they walked away from the tomb the same way they got there. They came from a place of despair. They came from a place of fear where they were hiding from the Jews. They came from a place of isolation and insulation only to encounter the truth of the resurrection. But they went back home the way they came. I'm talking about many of you Sunday go to meeting people. You come every week to a miracle. Somebody sitting next to you is a miracle. You ain't listening in here. Somebody sitting next to you should have been dead a long time ago. Right next to you is a living miracle of God. But you'll come from your place of despair, encounter the resurrection on your road, and go home like you never saw it. Pinch your neighbor and say, is he talking about you? Is he talking about you? Well, Tommy, you would have thought, man, they would have left there running to tell somebody what they said. You would have thought that, right? You would have thought they would have left there running to tell somebody what they encountered, Tricia. You would have thought they went and told somebody the amazing news. But instead, here it is, they kept it to themselves. And went back to the same place they came from. Don't say amen. Don't say ouch. Don't say nothing because they're going to think you talk. I'm talking about you. Every Sunday, 
you come to the house of miracles and go back like it's just a casual encounter. Every day, God does miracles. Y'all missed it. Can I, have, can I borrow some minutes and give them back to you next week? You know the fact that gravity is working is a miracle. You know the fact that your lungs are working is a miracle. The fact that you got ten fingers and toes and you can move them simultaneously. Go on and move them. Go on and move them right now. You know that's a miracle. The fact that your eyes work. You can see colors. You can hear sounds. You know the difference between greens and blues and yellows and purples. That's a miracle. But we've gotten so casual with the miraculous work of God that we don't even acknowledge what he's doing in our life. Peter and John ran to the tomb, saw it empty, but went back the same way they came. Can I say some more? I like the text. The text does say something interesting about John. It says that he saw and believed. I appreciate that right there. He saw and believed. But, but, but still, I want to argue my case. Though he believed, I'm happy he believed, he went back as if he was a non-believing believer. Y'all miss that? He was a believer who did nothing by what he believed. Where are you today? Where are you today? With what you know about the resurrection. Are you this type of believer? You see and believe you know it's real. But it doesn't manifest itself in your daily life. How come you're not working in the church? How come you're not involved in the ministry in the community? How come you're not in anybody's church? I know you've seen the resurrection. I know you know he be you believe. But how come that faith has not been manifested in your life? I want you to chew on that. I'm on my way down. When I'm arrested today. The disciples needed to see for themselves. They need an encounter with the resurrected Savior. <clears throat> and as I close, I'm glad that the Lord didn't disappoint. I'm glad that that's not how the story ends. Amen. Reverend White, I'm glad he didn't leave, and leave them hanging with just a miracle. Y'all catch that? He didn't just leave them hanging with a miracle, Mason. No, I'm glad he gave them something more than grave clothes. I'm glad he gave them something more than an empty tomb. I'm glad, Dana, he gave them something more than a stone rolled away. I'm glad he gave them something more than a testimony from the sisters. I'm glad he gave them something more than just a show on Easter Sunday morning. Can I call roll for you one last time? He appeared personally. To Simon Peter that afternoon. He appeared to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus that afternoon. 
He appeared to the ten disciples that evening in Jerusalem while they were locked in the room hiding from themselves. He appeared to the disciples again in Jerusalem. He appeared to the disciples when they were fishing at sea. He appeared to the eleven on the hillside in Galilee. He did something more. He appeared to James all by himself. He appeared to the apostles at the ascension. And he appeared to Paul as one who was born out of due time. Can I tell you why I'm glad? He don't just do a miracle just to do a miracle. He does a miracle to follow up and reveal himself to you. That's who Jesus is. I got to leave you now. But I got three questions for you. Won't he show up in your life? Won't he show up and change your life? Won't he show up and give you a brand new start? Where the Christians at? Where the Christians at? Won't he show up and make your hands brand new? Your feet brand new? Your thoughts brand new? And Jesus will come if you call him. Let's give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Father God, thank you for the evidence of the resurrection. Thank you that today we could examine the disciples' sorrow, their search, and even their sign. But thank you, God, that you did not leave them with just a sign. You followed up with a personal, intimate appearance for their lives. You knew that their miracles would not sustain them but that an appearance would change their world. Today, Father, I'm asking you to appear in somebody's life. Show up now in the altar. Give them a place to come unto you to have their sin forgiven, to come unto you, have their faith restored, to come unto you and to be, oh God, renewed, revived, refocused in the work of the kingdom. Thank you today, God. And while we're praying, Lord, if there's someone here today who does not know you, would you save them from their sin? Would you give them everlasting life? Is my prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.